Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adiwumi again. And we have been going through the book of Romans in this teaching. And we will be heading down to Romans chapter 13. You will see that in this, in, from Romans chapter 11 to 15 to the end, Apostle Paul was actually describing to us the lifestyle that we should, we should have as believers in Christ. See, we are called to be saints. We are called to be saints. And so we have to walk worthy of our, of our calling. And these are some of the precepts of how to walk and please the Lord. And let's go to chapter 13. And we will read and I will stop at some specific point to explain for our, some of these highlights of how we ought to conduct ourselves as believers in Christ. In chapter 13, verse 1 of the book of Romans, say, Let every soul be subject unto higher powers. Now, he's talking of higher powers in the, in the physical world now, which means the rulers, the government, the laws, the magistrates, courts, decisions. He said, We believers should be subject to those type of rules as long as they are in line with the word of God because we also have to balance it there because there's another word in the book of Proverbs that says keep the commandments of the king according to the fear of God that is if the king deviates from the fear of God and from the law of God then you are obligated to obey, only obey God you have seen that example in the life of Daniel in the book of uh, Daniel and the lack of in life of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego these Hebrew young men, or when they were young, they were serving as they were made to be of as officers in the in the kingdom of Babylon by the king. He found them that they were intelligent, so he made them to be officers in the king. But when they came to a point that the king Nebuchadnezzar made a decree and commanded that all those officers must come and bow to a statue of himself. And that the, anyone that will not bow to that statue of golden image that he made should be thrown to the furnace of fire. But the law of God commands and forbids the Hebrews, the Israelites, from bowing down to statues and images. You only bow down to the Almighty God in worship. So these three Hebrew men in the book of Daniel chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 4, you will see they refuse to bow and that is what we are saying now. He said, you have to keep the commandment of the king as long as the king's commandment is still in line with the word of God. When the commandment of the king is no more in line with the word of God, then we are commanded by God to, to only obey God. So you see actually that story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in Daniel chapter 3. Then you come to Daniel chapter Five was the also, also the trial of, uh, of uh, Daniel himself when he was commanded by the new edict of the king that nobody should that was Daniel chapter 6 really Daniel chapter 6 where Daniel was commanded by the new edict that nobody should pray to any god or any man or ask any petition from any God, from anyone except from the king. 
Anyone that disobey will be thrown into the lion's den. But Daniel knew that was device against him. And he didn't stop praying to his God. And that was where the word of the of uh, Solomon when he said you have to keep the commandment until, as long as it's uh, in, uh, in line with the fear of God and the commandment of God. So that is where Apostle Paul was explaining to us right here. He said in chapter 13. Let's go back to Romans chapter 13 and read again. He said, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers for there is no power but of God. So you have to remember all those rulers, God put them there. But when they become proud and they rebel against God, God will pull them down. And every person, every individual, we are still responsible to God. And because God made those rulers to be there to keep order on earth, that's why we have to be subject to whatever they are saying until they themselves are, or the rule, the, the rule, the law that they make is contrary to the law of God, then we must obey God. Even if it comes to being facing the sword, we have to obey God. That is very important because when people refuse to, when they think the, the king is more higher than God, then they are going to be in, in trouble with God himself. That's why you see the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the book of Daniel and the story of Daniel that they were very obedient to the king. They were doing their, their work for the king. The king was, whom they were serving, they were doing it faithfully. But when it came to the point where the king violated the law of God, the law of their God, they refused to follow the king. They, ref they decided to follow God Almighty. The king punished them just like any human being we do because they didn't fear God. But God was there to stand with them and God had to punish that king. That was why Nebuchadnezzar was turned to an animal. It was in response to what he did to Shadrach and Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. It was in, in response to that that God turned Nebuchadnezzar to an animal. Why? Because he was becoming proud, proud against God. Because he knew that the, the dream that God gave to him in Daniel chapter 2 was talking about the kingdom to come, the kingdom of God as is coming, that will rule all things, and that God is one that has ordained that there will be different kingdoms from the time of Babylon. But he was trying to, 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 de, to defy that dream. That Daniel was actually that interpreted the dream to him. He was trying to defy the dream by making a statue of gold from head to toe. But the dream that he saw was gold was the head, but the brass was the chest, and iron was the iron was the belly up to the thighs and legs, and so on and so forth. He did not want that to happen. So he wanted it to be gold, which is Babylon forever, till the end. That was why he made an image of gold and commanded all those that could rebel against Babylon to come and bow. All the officers in the land come and bow. They were all afraid to bow, except those who knew the kingdom of God. They refused to bow. Because at the end of the world, the kingdom of God will also destroy that image, according to the dream that Nebuchadnezzar saw in Daniel chapter 2. The kingdom of God was a separate stone that came and bruised that image at the feet which started in the world. That was the interpretation of the dream. But Nebuchadnezzar wanted to defy the dream by saying it has to be gold from head to toe. That was what he did by making an image of gold and com compelling all the rulers to come and bow to it. Now, after he has done that and these three Hebrew men that knew the dream and they knew the interpretation, they refused to bow and it punish them, throw them in the fire. That means he actually wanted to defy their God. And that was what he said, who, who is that God that is going to deliver you out of my hands? So he defied their God and God not only delivered Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the furnace, 
He also punished Nebuchadnezzar by turning and Nebuchadnezzar allowing Nebuchadnezzar to turn to animal for seven years until he repented. So that is what we are saying that we are to be subject to the to the principles and powers as long as they are also subject to God. And Apostle Paul said, there is no power but of God, the power that be are ordained of God. Verse 2, whosoever therefore resisted the power, resisted the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So, which means, if somebody resisted the, the rule of law that is legitimate under the law of God, and you think you just don't like these politicians, you are actually resisting God. God put those politicians there for now. When they are not doing right, God is going to judge the politicians themselves. But what law they put down, we are to be subject to those laws. As long as those laws are subject to God's law. So we have to remember that. Verse 3 said, that's Romans chapter 13 verse 3. It says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the sin. For he, that is the ruler, is the minister of God to thee for good. You see, Christianity actually is making good citizenship. It's making good citizenry. So everything that the Bible teaches us, we have to be a good citizen. As long as the law of the land is subject to the law of God. I always keep pointing out to one out because sometimes people, they cross the line and try to make the, the, the government higher than the law of God. The government law should not be higher than the law of God. The law of God said we are not to bow to images. The law of God said we must fear God and do His bidding. So if, the, if, the, if, your, if your boss in your office is commanding you to do some things that is contrary to the, to the word of God, you are to disobey that command from the boss. Whoever the boss is, the boss could be just your employer. If it is not the government employer, or it could be the government that brought the binder rule now from the law of the land, that should be your boss at that time. But if the if what they are, what law they have made, the instruction they gave is contrary to the fear of God, to the law of God, to the obedience to the word of God, then you are to obey God, even though you may be punished for it. Let God fight for you, and that is what the Bible is teaching us. So, but in the general analysis. The Christianity and the law of the word of God, it makes good citizenry. So that rulers should be proud that people are turning to be Christians. Because if they turn to Christians and they follow these Christians and King and this word of God, this New Testament, it makes us a better citizen than anybody else. Better citizen than anybody else. It's what the Bible teaches us to say. We are to, be, to do everything we are doing as if we are serving the Lord. We are doing it for the Lord, not for the government, not for the employer. We are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that created us. He put us here to make this world habitable, to make this world better. And by whatever part you are playing, whether you are a janitor, or you are a secretary, or you are an engineer, or you are a medical doctor, or you are just a politician making rules, making laws, you are to know that you are serving the Lord God Almighty. Because He put all of us here to make this world habitable to make this world better and every part of what you are doing is contributing to that. When you are making good laws that make people live in orderly, make people live in peace, you are contributing to the to the command of God that says make this world habitable. 
if you are just a janitor helping to clean the floors and clean the offices and clean the streets, you are making this world habitable. That is your own part that you are contributing. When you are just a secretary, you are helping in sending letters out to people and do all those type of things. You are making this world habitable. So that is the, that is the work God gave to man when he created Adam. When he said, Adam, tend the garden. It's not just a physical garden in the, of uh, flowers and birds. This planet is the garden. Because Jesus Christ gave it. A, a parable. He said, this world is the field that he has created. And he put the good seed here. So this world is the garden that is symbolized in that book of Genesis where God told Adam, tend the garden. He put Adam in that garden of Eden to tend the garden. So what's the purpose of tending the garden if he's the only one living there? It is because God is actually telling humanity to make this world habitable. Because when you tend the garden and you make it beautiful, what's, for, what's the purpose of that? So that people can come there and smell the roses and like the place and love to live in this neighborhood, love to live in this environment. That is because making it habitable. So that is the work of mankind on this planet to make this planet habitable. So whatever part you are contributing, God puts you here, you are serving the Lord. Whatever God put me here, Whatever I'm doing, whether I'm an engineer or telling people how to live right, I'm making this world habitable so that we can live in harmony one with another. See, it is the work of the Lord. We are all serving the Lord. So that is what this teaching of Apostle Paul is telling us, that we are all serving the Lord, no matter what your call is, what your profession is. He said, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power, that is the rulers, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Thou shalt have praise of the rulers. For verse 4, Romans chapter 13, verse 4. For he, the ruler, is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Verse 5, Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for us, but also for conscience sake. What does my conscience say? Your conscience toward God, because you are serving God, like we said. If you refuse to obey the, the rule of law that the rulers have put down, if that rule of law is, is in obedience to the fear of God, to the law of God, if you refuse to, compro, to comply with that, then you are actually not fearing God. Your conscience is towards God that will burden you that you are disobeying God. He said, when you disobey the rule of law, you are disobeying God. That's why those who are armed robbers, they are disobeying God. They may go and rob somebody, and rob a bank and think they are not stealing from any man. They are disobeying God. They are disobeying, they are robbing people's money. Or people that think they are stealing from the government, they think it's just government money. It's not government money. You are a thief. You are disobeying the Almighty God. This government money is not government money. It's the people's money. You are robbing the people and putting it into your, into your own pocket and the pocket of you and your family alone. So you are a thief. So don't think you are you are, you are eating of the of the of the cup of the government cake. What is the government cake? That is the people's money. So that's why you are saying if you are disobeying the, the rule of law, you are actually disobeying God Almighty. Verse uh, 6 of Romans chapter 13. For this cause, pay your tribute, that is, pay your tax. For the uh, God's ministers are called attending continually upon this very thing. Verse 7 says, Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom is due. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Now, look at that verse 7. Many people 
in many parts of the world, they will cheat and trick and try to to do many many ways of avoiding to pay tax or avoiding to pay their custom. Maybe they import some goods which they are going to sell to make a maximum maximum profit. They will sneak around and try to avoid paying the custom duty. That is still disobeying the law of God, disobeying the, the law of the land also. Because you say, well, these custom people are are stealing from from you also but you see your own part is to fulfill the law of god you see that's why you say you pray you say render therefore to hold their dues jesus christ give it in another we say that give unto caesar that which belongs to caesar and to god that which belongs to god so if the caesar is the government of land if they said you have to pay tax on this on that you just pay your tax some people want to revolt against that they shouldn't pay tax. Well, if you if you can go through the leg- legitimate means to just refuse to to not to refuse to try to make them to change the tax laws, there's another way they will, if you want to change the tax law, you you go through the legislatures and they say we don't want this type of law and then they can change it. But once the whole society have said this is the law, we as a Christian should be abiding by it. Since I can't afford it, God will provide for you. That's exactly what you trust God, God will provide for you instead of you know, manipulating, trying to, which becomes stealing. You see, it's a render to, therefore, to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. I mean, they ask you to pay tax, pay your own tax. Custom to whom custom. You import something that you're going to sell, and then you declare it and pay, and then you get the refund, you get the number of profit God will make you get 30 to sell. And the profit at the amount you want to recover your money and recover some profit and not excessive positive that got him more costs. No, there are costs for excessive profits, not so because the Bible said uh, uh, on on balance weight, on balance scale, evil scale is to is, 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 is to oppress the poor that can't afford what you are trying to say. But see, when you yes, there's a limit amount in how much profit you must make even in your business. So God has rules in the scriptures for that. So what you are saying there is that make sure that you are not not strict, not making tricks to avoid paying custom which becomes stealing from the people. Not so. Uh, render to those who fear to whom fear honor to whom honor. Verse 6, Oh no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. God said we owe Love, loving one another, that's the debt we owe to every person. Show love, walk in love. That's like a debt we must pay to everybody. We hold love for everybody. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not be a false thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, Apostle Paul is summarizing the Ten Commandments that everybody is saying we must keep the Ten Commandments or maybe we are not we are not Christians we don't have to no we are he's saying the commandments of God is fulfilled in us Christians the summary of these commandments of God are uh, you shall not commit adultery you shall not kill you shall not steal you shall not be a false witness these are all neighborly commandments the first commandment say we are to love God with all our hearts and also and not bow to any images also then the, uh, the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. Christ summarized the whole Ten Commandments. Say, the first one is love God with all your soul and your heart and your mind. The second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. See? The, the second part that seems to be divided into about six, that shall not commit adultery, that shall not kill, that shall not see. All of those itemized, itemized uh, laws, you see, they are summarized as love your neighbor as yourself. 
That's what he's saying. That's verse 9. Because if you love your neighbor as you say, you will not steal from your neighbor. You will not kill your neighbor. You will not commit adultery against your neighbor. You will not be a false witness against your neighbor. You will not be coveting your neighbor's goods if you love your neighbor as yourself. You see? That's what he was saying. Verse 10 says, Love walketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, let's balance this scripture. Because some people will tell us that, well, you know, I don't need to believe in Jesus Christ. All I have to do is just love my neighbor as myself. But you still need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because without following the Lord Jesus Christ, all the loving your neighbor as yourself is not considered by God. You are a sinner by birth. You are a sinner that inherited sin from Adam. Without Christ coming to deliver you from that, all your righteousness, which you think you have, or which you think you can accumulate, they are filthy rags before God. That's why the Bible says God has condemned the whole world as sinners and has forgiven the whole world and calling everybody to come now and accept Jesus Christ so that He can change you, give you a new spirit. It's a recreated spirit. It is that recreated spirit that should now walk in love towards your neighbors. Because that recreated spirit that is called born again in us, that born again spirit in us, we automatically love God, which is the first law. When you are born again, the love for God, which is the first commandment that everybody is commanded to keep that one. The first law is to love God and not bow to images. That can only be fulfilled in a recreated spirit in us. So every other way you are thinking you are loving God is just eye service. Eye service. Because it's not coming from your spirit, from your soul. Jesus Christ said that because God is a spirit, anyone that worships God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. In spirit means our, our new spirit that is recreated is the only one that can worship God in spirit. Why? Because our heart is now a new creature from the Almighty God Himself. So we have a new heart, a new spirit that can love God with all our heart and our soul. Then to love our neighbor as ourselves will be easy to do because Christ is in us, making us to walk that works of love. Which is what the Bible says that the second commandment that says love your neighbor as yourself is what com- covers six of all those laws. The first four seems to be talking about God, and that means you have to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your soul, all of your mind. That is the one that only a recreated spirit can do, and that's why you need Christ to give you a recreated spirit, and He's the one that says you must be born again, born of the Spirit of the Living God. That is what will give you a, a new heart. So say, love fulfill all, love walketh no heed to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Verse 11. Now, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. He's saying the end is near. The end is near. We are talking about uh, the, the rapture very soon. Christ is coming soon. And the final end of all the world, of the, of the world is coming close. Verse 12 says, The night is fast spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, as all these evil behaviors, and let us put on the armor of light. And begin to live for Christ, live in holiness, live in righteousness. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and in drunkenness, not in shambling and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Those are the ways of the world. We are now to live for Christ in gentleness, in humility, in in sobriety, walking in love. Verse 14. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the laws thereof. 
That is the summary of what we should do. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ means let Christ live his life through you. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ means begin to mimic, be a imitators of God, Bible call it. Say, be ye followers of God, be ye imitators of God as dear children. That is, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the perfect express image of God Almighty. We have to put him on and not to be living the way of the world, the way of Satan, the, the old Adamic nature. We are not to live like that. We are now to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and living like he will live. Living like he will live or not. Loving the Father God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. That is what he's saying here. That we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the laws thereof. What is the flesh lost? The loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. These are the works of the flesh. When you begin to make provision for those things, meaning that you are seeking those things that are loss of the eyes, that are the works of the flesh. They don't make provision for them. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and then all these works of the flesh and the works of the loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh and the pride of life will be minimized or completely eradicated from our soul because those are soulish things. Don't make provision for it. Don't, how, do you, how do you make provisions of things? Let me give an example of what people do when they make provision. Now somebody that is married and she is not satisfied with a single wife and went and married a second one whether secretly you are making provision for the flesh you couldn't control your sexual emotions or sexual appetite one woman is not good enough for you uh-huh. when you went secretly to go and be committing adultery or trying to marry a second wife you are making provision for the flesh by trying to legalize your adultery you try to legalize it by making a second wife okay you, that means the one wife is not good enough for you. Ah, somebody told me one time, he said, Oh, this woman is, is stubborn, is this and that. So that's why he want to get a second wife. You see, the solution for, uh, for, for the fact that your, your first wife is not, is not good enough for you, or you are debating, arguing in the house, that is, the solution is not to go and get a competitor for her. The solution is not to go get a second wife because very that second wife also will become like that after, after some year, also, she also will become the same. Now you go and get a third wife. That is what many people do in the in the other world, in the secular world, or in the other religious world. They couldn't cope with the first wife that is becoming arrogant. They call they say it's arrogant, or they think she is now she has grown wings. They call it growing wings, means that she is now uh, bold to confront her husband. So they go and get the second wife that will be submissive for a while. Only for a while, maybe the first five years she will be submissive. Very soon she also grow wings and grow bold, and then they go and go get the third wife. Because they wanted somebody that is submissive, you see, submissive for the first few years. But after they become so comfortable, so familiar with you, is familiarity. People, many women fall into that trap. They become so familiar with their husband now, they no more showing the respect they used to show when they were still dating. That is a mistake from the from the from most of the wives. But you see, the solution is not to sidetrack that and go and get the second wife. The solution is. Training by the Word of God. That's why the Word of God in the Scriptures is trained, is commanded to teach us how to live our life. Both the man and the woman. You go and read all the letters of Paul. He said, women, wives, submit to your own wife. He didn't say, wives, as long as you are five years in marriage, that's when you can submit. You know, it's for permanent for life. But you see, after some five year marriage, some people, some wives become so disrespectful to their, to their spouses. But he said, you have to submit. It's, part, it's for life. That's why the marriage is for life. The same husband loves your wife, not just for the first few years, 
and look like after they are married for something and now they, they love his wind now he's going for a fresh a fresh blood no that is the sin so you have to love your wife is permanent for life so those are all the things that they, when people are started tracking that instead of looking for the real solution which is follow the scriptures and they said the solution is to make provision for the flesh provision when you go and get a second wife or when you want to go and be loving something else that is making provision for the flesh because the flesh is looking for something that you couldn't get in this place and is looking for an alternative there's no alternative to God's word the word God was is forever so we are praying that the Lord will get you to understand this teaching of Apostle Paul if you know these things happy are ye if you do them that's the word of our Lord Jesus Christ when we know all of these pieces we will be happy that we are blessed when we keep to them we do these things and obey the scriptures and the scripture, the word of God, will give us victory in every aspect. God bless you. This is Gospel Distribution Ministry, Box 71027, Phoenix, Arizona, 85050. On the internet, it's www.gospeldistribution.org. Tune us again next week. God bless you.